Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. And hello to Jacob Banks, as if the afternoon could get any better. Right. <laughs> Here I comes just, Jacob. There's, Yay. There's, yeah. I mean, I'm no hero now. I see what's happening. This is quite incredible. I, know, I just get right? to sort of come in when the party's in progress. I mean, <laughs> in full swing. <laughs> there's, there's such, it's so yeah. exciting to see the support for you, Mindy, and for this show in the Quad Cities. I mean, Clearly, this this is more than just you know entertainment on in the background for people. This is a real like like life changer, which I think is really cool. And this is the thing about the fun drives, which is on one hand, it's sort of a, it's it's an ask and it's it's very relentless. I know I've sat yep. in several hours you have, before. You've helped me, but <laughs> however, yes. to, when it goes like it's going now, and you see the support that's out there for VIK and the difference it makes in people's lives. It's pretty awesome. I th- I feel very proud to 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 have my tiny part of of uh, you know perspective with Mindy and uh, it's just great. It's great to be here. Great to be back. And uh, and you're killing it. I think that's beautiful. <laughs> that's a good thing, by the way. It's I a know, good right? killing it. For those who aren't clear with the, I I've got the lingo because I work with them. You know, with Gen Z. But yes. if you didn't know. Killing it is good. So same as slaying it. You're slaying, slaying it. it. Oh, we are we slaying it, it now. Right. We can get even this a little is holiday. Good. Yeah, that's right. Oh, <laughs> Lingo like that. too. I'm very, very not up on it. I, by the way, I don't, so. but you better be though, my friend. I you have, have to be. Lots of little kids that's that are going to be using all kinds oh, of. Oh my goodness! Hip new logo. So here, well, I don't know how these kids are going to turn out. I'll tell this funny story. I'll embarrass my 12 year old. So you, so. You know, most 12-year-olds, I don't know what most 12-year-olds listen to, but my daughter, you know, I drive her to her youth orchestra every week, and we just basically rotate through operas. She just wants a different opera, and, you know, we made it all the way through Il Trovatore, um, and then we went to Dialogues of the Carmelites, and now we are on to Die Meisterzinger. Which is, oh uh, which is a, a, a quote-unquote comedy, uh, which is Wagner's, Wagner's, you know, Wagner light, which is not light at all. Um, but, but she finds it hilarious. And, you know, there's this character in the Meistersinger uh, Beckmesser, who's sort of the, he's the criticizing everyone, and he's sort of the head of this guild, and, but he's always just telling everyone how bad they are. Well, I, so a couple weeks ago, I was out of town at a concert, and there, there were multiple critics at the three concerts but there were there were like press reviews of these concerts and so i said you know hannah tonight um i was on the phone i said tonight there's gonna be a critic there from the wall street journal and she goes you mean like Beckmesser?" <laughs> and i'm like yeah like Beckmesser. like what 12 year old on the planet right. is no, like drawing that's... connections yeah. to like wagnerian opera when i'm saying that there's a critic music coming. critics so, yeah. so you say you know i've got to get hip with the lingo i don't know it's like 19th century <laughs> lingo or something it was fine by me you know but anyway well they start throwing the word anon around you'll an- know exactly <laughs> oh this has happened this has happened multiple times oh i'll get to that anon yes yes no exactly and the, the shakespeare shakespeare references too you know mm-hmm. the washing the hands and like oh good work lady Macbeth over there so 
anyway, we have fun, but 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 we that's not do. what this is about. We just so well, yes. we have, we're getting we're in a roundabout way getting back to our love for the music. We're obviously very passionate about the music and enthusiastic to talk about it. Absolutely, with our listeners, and even on this last call for music lovers in this short year end fun drive. Which, by the way, if you're wanting to make that pledge and have it matched dollar for dollar by members of the Challenger Circle, go to wvik.org or call us at 794-7500. And, you know, there's such a wealth of interesting music that's coming up on this third Masterworks concert. Uh, for me, it was like a no-brainer about which to talk about. Where do about, you start? But, but then I felt had bad. All, because, no, yeah, you had it all figured out. I, I, Let's just face it. How do you it. not, you know, say, but this, I love this piece too. And I mean, because each piece is unique. It represents such a different uh, timeline of yep. musical development as yep. well as in in the individual composers' lifetimes. I mean, we could spend probably four or five music 101s no doubt. just talking about this Masterworks Absolutely. concert. Well, it was easy because you have a guest coming tomorrow, correct? Yes. I mean, in one sense, it was easy because... We could, the, we could the take piece, the Britain out. We could yes. take the Britain serenade, <laughs> which is... Uh, you'll hear all about that tomorrow, mm-hmm. ye listeners of Mindy's, um, because the soloist will be here... Correct. Tenor, yep, mm-hmm. We'll be here to uh, tenor, uh, one of the soloists. I need to be careful. Mark Zyla, you know, is the other soloist. Know, right? <laughs> There's two soloists. Well, but the tenor will be here to talk about that unbelievable piece. Yes. It's just, you know, and... and I we could talk. I mean, you could do you could fill fill a month of music one hundred ones with all that goes into uh, the Britain Serenade, but we won't have to because it's, you're going to cover that tomorrow. So gonna, that so, that got off the table. So but then can, there yeah. really was no debate, Mindy, um, because we talked. You know, well, there are these other the the Elgar uh, Serenade for strings, beautiful piece, possible. There's the the horn first horn concerto of Strauss, but for you. There was no contest, right? There was one piece that must be discussed, and it is... Mozart's Linz Symphony. Mozart's Linz yeah, Symphony. I, you know, I so hate, I, you said this, this is your favorite symphony. Of Mozart's. Of Mozart's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Let's be clear. Mm-hmm. Yes. So can you tell me why? Oh. Like, I love this piece, but I'm curious why this would oh, be like Professor your favorite. Banks. <laughs> <laughs> it's turned into a therapy session know, here. Right? It's like, let's go back. Let's go back 10 years. How did you feel uh, then? So, or suddenly I feel like I am a student. Begging right. Like, oh, no, please explain. There's no you know, quiz. Oh, exactly. Yeah, no, break no, no. it down. No, why? talk from the heart. Yes, exactly. Is it the... Is it the harmonic progressions? And if so, which one? Um, no, like what What about it grabs you? I, I, I think everything. Yeah. Um, it's, and you know, that that's that's an easy uh, explain away, but no. it, it I, I remember talking about this symphony years and years and years ago with another staff member here at VIK who no longer works here, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, that was a piece that, that they were also particularly fond of. And sort of, I think what we came to in that discussion was Mozart's real, I mean, he had so many compositional strengths. He was, a, as a composer, right. obviously, could, could again, fill Music 101s for the rest right. of the year, just right. talking about Mozart and right. his unique abilities. In every gifts. genre. In I mean, this is what genre. people forget, is that he, he wrote the best, not only wrote the best opera, he wrote the best Zingspiel, the German folk folk kind of, you know, people's opera, the best opera seria and Clemenza de Tito, the best uh, opera buffa, the best combination of all of them, which is Don Giovanni, and that's just opera. The best piano concerto, the best clarinet concerto, the best, I mean, he was just, he he mastered, and very few composers after him 
did so. Right. Like you'd have, you know, Bra- Brahms writing an opera. You can't imagine it. He mastered the symphony, but not the opera. And then you have Verdi, who mastered the opera, but couldn't do the symphony. So it was like Mozart's this sort of Renaissance man. Um, and you're right. So it's like, where do you start? Yeah, there was nothing he could not write. You're right. You're right. I mean, even solo works, chamber. But anyway, the first few things that you mentioned relate directly to why I think I really? love the Lynn Symphony. How cool. Because he was such a consummate writer for opera yep. and choral music. Yeah. He it was everything was just instinctively a song for yes, him, I absolutely. think. Absolutely. Every line, everything in every one of his works sings in some way in its own unique musical language. But nowhere do I think does he sing, quote unquote, symphonically or orchestrally or in a concert work more than what he does in the Lent Symphony. Wow, that is so what a cool re and I yeah. I can't argue. I mean, I think I you know, I I can't think of counterexamples certainly among the symphonies. I mean, there are many glorious pieces, but you're right. And I would the only thing I'd add to that is that you're right about the singing line. The other thing is about um the many subtle shades of expression uh, an emotion that come out in Mozart. And it's very easy to talk about this in operatic works, you know, just like the, the what's the, what kind of sad is Pamina? <laughs> you know, I mean, is she, is she like, you know, is she like, like sad, like devastated? Is she sad, like, like wistfully sad? I mean, he, he manages not just to express emotion in his operas, but like very, very fine Nuances. gradations. Absolutely. Yes. So it's all in the music, but to, the thought that he would, you know, We'd like to be very modernist and say, well, yes, but these are instrumental works, and therefore, without the text, you couldn't possibly know, but you could possibly know. He's doing the same thing with his instrumental music. There's the same shades of, you know, and we'll get, I hope we'll hear a little bit of the slow introduction of Lin's symphony, because, you know, it's slow. Uh, it, and we'll talk a little bit maybe about the form of a symphony, but why don't, you want to listen, because there's, there's like, you know, symphonies, almost all symphonies in the classical format form start with a fast movement the question is always is there a slow introduction or not this is something you know comp- some composers like a slow introduction in this symphony i mean you know mozart used it sometimes and not others haydn sometimes not others beethoven you know so it's always the question when you sit down for a symphony you've never heard is there a slow introduction in the case of Linz, yes there is and you might ask, okay, well, what is the character of this slow introduction? Why don't we listen? Because there's not just one character in this slow introduction. Should we, should we listen sure. to the opening? Good. Absolutely. Okay. All right. okay.
So yeah, that will. So how many characters have we already seen in this opera, and it's just the slow introduction, right? Right. You know, and what I love is so the whole thing begins in this like like pomposo, like it's very pompous, <laughs> it's very ba 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 ba. We've got these dotted rhythms, and then almost immediately, you know, there's a few, you know a few seconds of that, and then all of a sudden it's like uh, it's almost like you know you know someone makes a grand procession onto stage, and then like looks around and says. Uh, Am I in the right room? <laughs> you know, so there's a little bit of like, there's this sort of like hesitation and then, you know, thinking it over. And then, of course, the bump, 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 the steady pulse is sort of like, no, no, you can do this. You can do this. And then finally, the slow introduction ends with one more like pompous statement. It's like, yes, I am in charge of this. Yeah. <laughs> I am in charge of this symphony. <laughs> and it's so, it's it's not hard to follow this. I mean, it's there's nothing obscure about the emotional expression, but I was listening after, based on what you said, to the line and you know the the vocal the vocality of especially the the bassoon and oboe solos which you know it's a fun symphony because there's no flutes and no clarinets right, right? so right. They're, they're really holding down the they're like i guess it's up to us, it's us. right exactly we, we now's our chance yeah. oboe and bassoon <laughs> right and, and bassoon's like we'll mess it up i know it yeah um but the it was really it was just it's such it's so much fun so yeah i mean i i think uh, i think what you said about the the vocal line is just really cool i mean you know it's not bad for for four days i was just thinking that you know again you as a composer <laughs> um imagine you know rolling into town mm. and uh, suddenly being greeted effusively by the mayor and all of the important people in that town and the townspeople it's like mozart's coming right. you know here's jacob banks <laughs> he and kara are here <laughs> jacob write us a melody and right. you're going ah oh, oh ah okay and yeah having to crank something out in Absolutely. 4 days because he felt very strongly you know they were shown so much love yeah. in that this was his way to sort of reciprocate. Absolutely. And and the fact that this is there, right. that this symphony is just there for him, four days, scritch, 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 scritch on the manuscript right, paper, right. and we have this luscious symphony. Absolutely. He's so, and I, I sense, too, his pride um, as a composer that, you know, that he easily, they could easily have performed an existing work of his, but he was, he wouldn't, that wouldn't do. That wouldn't do. You know, he, it, we needed to have something new and something appropriate and something, you know, I don't know whether there were fees exchanged and whether a new piece would, would permit him to, um, to make money where he hadn't before. I have no idea about the background of that. I do like, I do get a kick out of Linz though, because people don't, often don't know, you know, okay, so it's an it's an Austrian town. It's actually like uh, I say, it's very much like the Quad Cities because it's right on the river, right? It's on the Danube River, um, and it's halfway. It's in like like middle. It's it's halfway between uh, Salzburg and Vienna. So it's like a big stop. It, the family, in fact, there's a really I I laugh at this. There's an early letter from Leopold when he was on tour with Nanerl and little Wolfgang, you know, to, to his child prodigies. He's yes, sort of like showing yeah, them all around. Showing them around well, yeah. and, and it, the only thing I found, so I looked at his letters when I was preparing this, and the only thing I found in Linz in those early years was that they stopped there. He's writing a letter to his friend, and he said, you know, uh, little Wolfgang got a cold in Linz. And so I'm picturing like some historical marker, you know, Mozart <laughs> sneezed here or something, you know, like little Mozart was, they, you know how crazy the Austrians are for, for Mozart. So you can imagine that it, there was like, you know, he, so, you know, 
rather than getting a cold the second time, he decided to leave the gift of this of, of this, this symphony. symphony. So, <laughs> pretty pretty cool, and you know, kind of poignant in a in a way. I mean, he and his his wife were returning to Vienna. They would never he would never in his lifetime return to Salzburg, right, right, which was his home. And their infant son had died a few months prior. They had left him um, in Vienna with the care of, in the care of a wet nurse. And he died, you know, several weeks later. So they they were on their way back to Vienna, having not been back since the loss of this child. I mean, you know, the so you know, I wouldn't go looking for such things when listening to the symphony. Uh, but the point is, it just it's an interesting and kind of poignant spot in his you know in his life because he's headed back to Vienna, where he would you know he would travel yet a little bit after that, but never back to his home turn hometown in Salzburg, which is really a bring the bride home to meet the family kind of trip. So. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I love your description of Leopold as the Austria's got talent, you know, dragging my <laughs> yes, kids around. Exactly. <laughs> but that, that's, I mean, that's literally what it was for the bulk of his childhood. He yep. never really got to have a normal, quote unquote, childhood. Whatever normal childhoods were in right. those days, he still didn't get any of that. He was constantly on display, constantly performing, playing, writing. You know, from the time he was three or four, he was already crafting melodies. Right. So again, his father understood his unique gifts. By all accounts, the sister Nanerl was also extremely highly talented, gifted yeah. as well. So it's no surprise that you know Leopold saw a way to sort of fill the family coffers by you know hauling no these kids all well, around. Well, and he was in the family business. I mean, exactly. let's face it, that's what he. You that's know, what it's he just did. Like Mozart and yep. son, really. I mean, he he had expectations, and and you know we like to psychologize. There's a lot of psychologizing about the relationship between Leopold and. And, uh, and, and Wolfgang, Wolfgang but yeah. I, I think, you know, the, just relationships were very different, period. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just read just a, a standard letter between friends in from this period, it was very... So things that seem emotionally fraught or angry uh, in letters uh, to us, even in translation, you know, was there tension there? Absolutely. Was there anger? Probably. But really, you know, there's not. I, I always think of Clara Schumann. She's another one, you know, whose father was actually far worse than Leopold Mozart was. But she was devoted to her father from the end. She met. She she never gave a hint of resentment. She probably had some, but there, it was just just social norms that mm-hmm. said you wouldn't you wouldn't you respond don't such a way it or re- to your exactly. to your elders. So, right. Right. Anyway. Yep. There was the 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 showing of respect for right. someone who had sort of helped lay the groundwork. Her for teacher. I, I I love that you put that that way, and we know that Mozart had actually even written to Leopold as they were either coming into Linz or returning from Linz. Really? And he wrote to him about the success of this sim- or the symphony that he had written yeah. like in four days. Wow. And that the you know the people had been so enthusiastic right. about it. Right, which doesn't it. sound like a, a really super problematic relationship. Not really. You know I mean, it's just it's For, just for whatever different. it's, yeah, ups and downs were. Right. Uh, we should tell people quickly, uh, we have had, uh, oh, thank you to Frank Dittrich of Davenport. Frank, my friend, thank you again uh, for heating music's call. Call and making a call this afternoon. A listener from Bettendorf, Kate Ducalo of Moline. Kate, thank you so much. And Pamela Saunders. Pamela, thank you in Rock Island. And wow, we are just about $1,000 away from our total wow. goal of $20,000. And that's a total goal for this That show. was for the whole drive. That's for the drive. When we started back on Giving Tuesday, we had a $20,000 goal that we hoped to achieve by 9 a.m. tomorrow. Wow. 
and we're just a thousand dollars away. I mean, really, a thousand dollars, and yeah, really we have about wonderful. six minutes to go in the program. Members of the Challenger Circle will match all pledges, dollar for dollar, uh, for another six minutes. So, wvik.org, wvik.org, make that year-end gift. Thank you, or call us at three zero nine seven nine four. Seven five hundred. So again, Jacob, my friend, as someone who writes music for a living, um, how would you have approached something like that had someone basically expected or you had felt that you had wanted to reciprocate by writing a piece of music? Do you think you could crank out something in three or four days? That's probably not a very fair question because everybody composes differently. It's true, but it's an interesting question and one that actually sort of tortures me quite a bit because, <laughs> I mean, and I mean, let's just face it. it would be it's the, not the kind just, of piece, too. Well, it really yeah. would. And it's not... It, it's not merely, I, you know, I don't want to say this clearly. There's, I mean, I, I would, Mozart's talents and my, you know, my, mine's a drop in his ocean, right? So you've got the talents. You also have the, the great difference in, I mean, even, you know, I, I have equally inferior talent to Beethoven. Beethoven wrote nine symphonies and, and Mozart wrote 41. Haydn wrote 104 plus, right? We know a few yeah, extras right. as well. So just the, the MO of a composer um, in the at the end of the 17th century was to be able to crank out music at the pace that Mozart did. The fact that Mozart was able to do it at such a high level is what's really remarkable. Um, but, you know, the, yeah, I mean, it, as a, as a composer, it, it's sobering and, uh, uh, you know, and especially at his age, I mean, he would be roughly, he would be obviously younger than me. I mean, I'm 39 now, you know, and he, his, his life was over when he was 39. So, um, yeah, as a composer, you know, you just kind of, um, you, you walk into a situation, you hope to write something that's appropriate. Um, you know, whether I could do it in four days, I'm not so sure, but I've been in similar situations where, uh, and this is one thing that I try to take from Mozart as a composer is, and this just had to do, I think, with social expectations for composers. It wasn't necessarily self-expression for him. And I think this is important for people to realize that, you know, from Beethoven onward, the, the, we see the composer is sort of bearing his soul and he's sort of like sheltered off in this, you know, like uh, the cone of silence, right, from from uh, Get Smart, where the, the composer is just this isolated individual, you know, writing for history. But for Mozart, you know, it was he wanted to write something, A, beautiful, uh, B, excellent, but also C, appropriate. Um, and in fact, that was the that was what Haydn said about Mozart to his father when he was evaluating him as a boy. He, uh, he said, "The boy has taste," uh, which basically meant he knew what was appropriate. He, he knew he was he could, able he, to he, discern. He yes, had the gift of discernment, which is yes. which is kind of amazing, you know. Aside from just like you know having so again, when you try to look, you look at this biographical things and then try to like map it one to one onto the music. You know, he viewed himself sort of like, you know, upper level livery. I mean, it was like, it was part of the, it was, he wanted to do something that was appropriate uh, and that fit sort of his social role as somebody who created art uh, to be enjoyed ultimately. So um, I try like him as best I can uh, to write appropriately as as uh, as funny as it seems, I've had plenty of inappropriate works in the past, and it never goes well. So, 
<laughs> but you're also, again, writing sometimes from a different place, you know, when you were talking about all the things that Mozart and, and uh, Constanza were facing as they were writing back, you know, which would be right. to have to come into a household without their infant child right. and all of this, that that doesn't necessarily mean uh, or is reflected by this rather somber uh, gravitas-laden right. beginning to what right. ends up being a very lighthearted and singable symphony. Every single movement, you'll hear it and you'll find yourself humming it for a while till the next movement starts, right. and then you'll start humming that one. So this was not really reflective no. per se of what he was emotionally feeling at the time. And that's another thing that's different for you as a composer in this time. You can kind of tread those lines if you, you know, want. You funny, can put a lot of emotion into even it or not. I will say even Tchaikovsky who had, you know, he's a super, super emotional music. He said, my saddest times make my happiest music. My happiest times make my saddest music. So, wow. who knows? Oh, well, the clock on the wall is unrelenting. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> Next month. I know. Just a short month away and we'll be back talking about our next... Venture uh, into music, adventure, yes. Uh, as always, Jacob, thank you so much for stopping by. It's again, I feel like we, there's so much more we could go into about Absolutely. the Lint Symphony, but please go go hear the concert this weekend mm. and hear it performed live. It is truly just one of those amazing works. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Mindy, and uh, thank you to all the listeners for your support of Vik. Absolutely, I'll echo that. Thank you to everyone who called this afternoon. Marketplace is coming up next. <laughs> 